Well, more market optimism is pushing equities higher in the United States and the U.S. dollar sideways, but higher commodities have helped the Aussie dollar as well as a a better situation in China as well, perhaps. And could there be more optimism as we plan Australia's path to living with COVID? We'll look at yesterday's numbers from the Doherty Institute on that. And the rate hike for New Zealand, it really was just bad timing that it was day one of the lockdown. So is it locked in for next time? It's Wednesday, the 25th of August, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, after its uh, biggish fall yesterday, the US dollar has held fairly steady on the DXY, and that's helped the Aussie dollar, which is up almost 0.6% this morning, over 72.5 US cents. The pound and the euro, well, they haven't really moved much. The US dollar's lost 0.4% to the Canadian dollar, though, uh, so no surprise then that commodities continue to look strong. We've got a 3.6% rise in Brent, over $71 a barrel now, remembering, of course, that it was over $77 early last month, so let's not get too excited about it. Uh, but US equities continue to rise another half percent for the Nasdaq, a quarter percent for the S&P, 0.1% for the Dow, the FTSE 100 also up a quarter percent, a third of a percent rise in the DAX, and bonds, well nothing to speak of in Europe, 10-year treasury yields in the US up three basis points, still very low though, uh, below 1.29%. So that's where we are to talk us through this overnight session and the day ahead, Tapas Strickland from NAB in Sydney joins me. Um, Tapas, I mean, there's some talk that the US dollar has gone as far as it can now. It's been uh, over 93 today. It, of course, it was a little higher for a spell last week, which was which was higher since late last year. Um, so today is a, is a good sign, isn't it? How when the US dollar stalls, the Aussie really can gain, particularly when it's got the, we've got these recovery hopes that we're seeing right now. Good morning, Phil. Yes. That is right. So we did see uh, pretty hefty gains in commodity prices over Monday and Tuesday, and that has helped propelled a lot of those commodity currencies higher. And the Aussie is up around 0.6% overnight. And our secular view in terms of the US dollar and the Aussie dollar is that uh, vaccines uh, – uh, pave the way for the other side of this pandemic and global growth sentiment should improve on the back of that and the Aussie being one of the uh, biggest uh, beaters to that global risk um, sentiment uh, should lift in that environment. So commodities, vaccines, uh, vaccines in the US, obviously they're racing ahead but we're also getting a lot of more talk now aren't we uh, on the home front about how we come out of this as well. So Scott Morrison yesterday talking about easing, how easing restrictions uh, for international business travel for example for those who might have been vaccinated plus there was a statement from the Doherty Institute yesterday yesterday saying that their modelling showed opening up at 70% vaccine coverage of uh, 70% of the adult population uh, with optimal public health measures and no lockdowns would create only 2,737 infections and 13 deaths, although there would be 390,000 symptomatic cases, uh, which is almost twice the number of flu cases in the average year, but it would be containable at 70%. So I think, you know, the more we hear that sort of talk and people get used to that idea, that's going to be encouraging for markets, isn't it? Because it shows Australia's on its way out. And, uh, you know, even though it might take a bit of time, uh, you know, that we can push on with the recovery. It does. And I think that's the key difference to a couple of weeks ago, especially for Australia, is that you're starting to hear mm. the conversation amongst politicians about transitioning to starting to live with the virus and becoming more explicit about those key vaccination hurdles of uh, 70% and 80% full adult vaccination and also vaccinating down all the way down to, to 12 year olds in Australia as they are doing elsewhere internationally. And we're looking quite closely at what is happening in New South Wales and Premier Gladys Berejiklian is expected to announce some 
easing of uh, restrictions on Thursday uh, for those people who are vaccinated. And uh, it's widely expected that a greater easing up on restrictions will occur in October. And the modelling is suggesting that as you lift up those vaccination rates, uh, the number of new virus cases should start to, to flatten out and should start to decline. And that should occur uh, sometime in September. So I think the conversation in Australia is turning a little bit more cautiously positive in that respect. And in terms of what's caused uh, the uh, most recent, more positive sentiment in terms of global markets, especially on Monday and on Tuesday, it's really down to two factors. And that is um, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine that had received regulatory approval in the US. And that obviously occurred earlier in the week. But now you're starting to hear more stories about more companies and more organizations now mandating vaccines for their employees. And two examples of that, and these are the government ones, is that the Pentagon has um, moved ahead with plans to mandate uh, vaccination for US troops following that full vaccination approval. And uh, in New York, uh, the mayor there has decreed that all the city's public school teachers and staffers must also be fully vaccinated. So there's a lot of hope Mm. that the US uh, vaccination rate will lift uh, further on the back of that. And that's leading to a lot of optimism uh, within markets at at the moment. And when you look at the stats, uh, the US now has uh, 73.1% of adults with at least one dose and 62.5% are fully vaccinated. So on the way there towards getting um, higher vaccination rates. And then the second thing that's really driven sentiment is that it looks like uh, the pandemic is again under control in China. So China has had two consecutive days of, I think, zero new domestically transmitted virus cases, uh, combined with some willingness by the PBOC to ease up on uh, credit conditions uh, to support the economy. And that's really helping to drive some of the sentiment boost that we did see in Asia yesterday. Yeah, and that, and that, that's helped iron ore prices as well, I guess, plus the fact as well, because iron ore obviously is another factor that's helped the Aussie dollar this morning. But um, I, I guess also, the, you know, the, the expectation that if they do get into trouble and, and the growth slows in China, then, you know, somebody, probably the PBOC uh, or, the, or, the, or, the, or the party will, will step in to try and fix the problem. Uh, yes, and indeed the go-to toolkit for the Chinese authorities are uh, Two things, they ease up on credit conditions and they continue to invest in yep. infrastructure and property, which is all uh, driven by and supplied by um, iron ore. So the only downside on all of this recovery is the, is the fact that we, you know, two jabs might not be enough. So the CDC, you know, released more research showing the efficacy of vaccines has fallen to 66% after the Delta variant, variant compared to 91% before the Delta came along, hence the, hence the push for, for a third jab. Uh, let's not dwell on that too much at the moment, though, because we, because we, things were looking positive, weren't they? So let's let's keep on that slant. Um, <laughs> the um, data from the US, I guess, it, I mean, the, the Richmond Fed Manufacturing Index that we saw, uh, this was for August 27 was the, the number for July. Now it's coming at nine, which is a way below expectations. It is a regional survey, so not really any market reaction. Is that because it's just a regional survey or also because it's, you know, it's it's from August and, you know, it's and we're, we're moving on from that now? Yeah, there wasn't too much market reaction. And I was saying before, most of the headline sentiment is driven by the optimism around uh, vaccines. And just going back to your comments around the booster shot, um, as you were discussing with Rodrigo yesterday, now that we have the infrastructure there to deliver these vaccine shots on a wide scale, um, the time taken to roll out those booster shots uh, isn't isn't likely to be as protracted as it was to undertake the first vaccine shots. Um, In terms of the Richmond Fed manufacturing index, yes, it did fall. um, And... 
it was interesting in the report uh, that it noted several manufacturers are reporting deteriorating local business conditions. And uh, it's unclear exactly what's driving that deterioration in the local business sense in the Richmond Fed area there. But I think it's just worth watching there, especially in the context of consumers who would have um, pulled forward a lot of goods demand during the pandemic. And as they start to transition towards the service side of the economy, uh, do manufacturing conditions start to ease back as that pivot occurs? And it looks like they, uh, you know, they might be pushing ahead with uh, with their infrastructure plan and their spending package. There's been a, a vote to see a new rule, basically, which I think is now passed uh, in, in the House that, so that they would they require required to have the final infrastructure vote by September the 27th. Uh, that's for the infrastructure bill and adopting the $3.5 trillion budget. I wonder if they'll make that deadline. It l- looks like the House leaders there are making a few concessions to the wider Democratic Party, and it still remains to be mm. uh, seen whether they can get those two hurdles passed. Uh, but you'd have to say the probability in getting them passed is maybe a little bit higher than it was there before right so market's not getting too excited about that then i know that their tilt is isn't it? it's going to help small business that seems to be the stick for this you know uh, they're hoping they're going to bring the moderates along using that line and while we're talking about uh, uh you know whether it should be fiscal policy or monetary policy the rbnz uh has been trying to signal uh that the delay in the rate hike uh was literally just because it was the timing it was day one of the lockdown their, their focus uh, as we said on this podcast is very much the medium term which which is uh, which, which means it's, it's going to happen next time. So you know, an October hike is very likely, although it's not fully priced in yet by the markets, is it? The comments from the RBNZ have been really interesting, and uh, at that August meeting, it seems like it was a pretty close run decision between a possibly a fifty basis point move and no move, and obviously no move occurred. And uh, the assistant governor Hawkesbury um, told Bloomberg in a telephone interview that it was definitely due uh, to the optics around the country entering. A, lockdown and headlines coming out that the RBNZ had, had hiked rates. And that was the main motivator for not moving in August. Uh, importantly for the Kiwi rates curve is that um, Hawkesbury said a 50 basis point hike would be on the table for October. And that would be obviously dependent on how the economy is going. And that is also contingent in terms of virus cases. So I think uh, short run pricing in New Zealand will be very sensitive to virus numbers. And if you do see those new uh, virus cases start to flatten out and start to fall, uh, then you could start to see markets pricing more uh, towards something more than a 25 basis point hike in October. But the the comments aren't necessarily new, but do illustrate how hawkish the RBNZ is. Right. And one thing we're not expecting too much from is Jackson Hole at the end of the week. Although, you know, it's interesting how the markets are holding out waiting as though something will happen. But we, you know, the expectation, uh, I think from NAB, uh, is that really uh, Jerome Powell isn't going to say too much. Yes. And I think that's been another factor behind the recovery in risk sentiment, which really you'd have to say occurred on Friday. And, uh, on, and, and that was basically on the back of uh, the Fed's Kaplan, who had been one of the most hawkish pushing for tapering at the next meeting saying that he may need to adjust that view if the Delta variant slows economic growth materially. So I think markets are now starting to round onto the fact that the Fed will probably have to see another couple of mm. uh, stellar payrolls reports uh, before it will um, 
make an announcement in terms of uh, tapering. But I think market's going to be relatively cautious until Powell does speak at the Jackson Hole event. Yeah, well, and there's no guarantee they are going to see a couple of strong employment reports given the, the, you know, the delay we've been seeing, perhaps. But we get today the New Zealand trade balance. We get German IFO expectations and US drill, drillable goods orders for July. So very quickly before we go, anything to say on any of those? Uh, for Australia, we also get our construction figures for Q, Q2. All right. Uh, and while not really yeah. market moving, they do feed directly into Q2 GDP, which is released uh, on the 1st of September. And obviously, Q2 data clearly precedes the most recent virus developments there. Uh, for what it's worth, Navi's penciling in a 3.7% Q on Q rise, which is uh, above the consensus of zero uh, of, of 2.8%. Uh, but just worth noting, uh, a miss to the construction figures or for CapEx tomorrow could raise the risks of a negative Q2 GDP print, just given that our Q2 GDP forecast is of just a meagre 0.2% Q on Q. So very close there to being flat or, or perhaps even negative for Q2, um, even before uh, Q3, which is definitely going to be heavily negative there. Uh, in terms of the other data yeah. coming up, uh, we'll be looking uh, at the German IFO uh, relatively closely. Uh, but apart from that, not much ahead. And I think markets will be relatively quiet just given uh, Jackson Hole comes up. Um, and I think it kicks off virtually on Friday. Now. It, yeah, it does. Yeah, so here we are. We're not expecting much, but everyone's being very quiet, waiting for not much to happen. Uh, isn't that the way it normally works? Uh, good to talk anyway, Tapas. We'll catch you again very soon. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Phil. And that is it. That's the morning call for this Wednesday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again with Rodrigo tomorrow morning. See you then.